Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where the discussion ranges from employee safety, environmental protection, policy creation, training methods, employee engagement, and everything in between. Your host is Dr. Mark French. As an industrial and organizational psychologist and certified safety professional, he's going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in EHS and how they impact our everyday workplace. Welcome to this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Again, so happy you could join me. Uh, Very happy to have you uh, listening in as we carry through some items that help us lead through safety and help us learn more about our people through safety. Because safety is really, ultimately, it's about our people. Always, uh, for those of you who are either film buffs or old enough to remember Soylent Green, uh, when Charleston Heston runs out and goes, it's people. Yeah. That's what I want to do about safety. Sometimes is just run out there and go, it's all about people. Anyway, random reference. Uh, yeah. Glad you're with me. So let's jump right on in. We're going to talk about what is going on with COVID right now. And I must say, uh, and I'm going to be very vulnerable and very honest, uh, about this right now. This is probably as far as the technical side of safety and what I do as a safety professional every day. This is probably some of the most frustrating and most confusing times I have been a part of. And it's confusing because the standards and the recommendations and is it a standard? Is it a recommendation? Can it be enforced? Can it not be enforced? Who's enforcing it? Why is it being enforced? It's all over the place and it's so confusing. And your team is looking to you as the health and safety professional to give guidance. And you have to just make a good guess. You have to do your due diligence now. And that's been interesting too, because there's so much passion around COVID and the protocols and what we're doing around it. And it seems like that it doesn't matter what decision is made. It's probably going to be the wrong decision to someone and it's very, very tough right now um, for a lot of safety professionals, I'm sure. But I know from my standpoint, um, not that I'm I'm under a ton of like people are yelling at me or anything, but it, it from the standpoint of just usually I know my business very well. Uh, we usually take a lot of pride in the safety world. And that was something that was very interesting when I was doing research and interviewing other safety professionals about how they do training. One of the items they took a lot of pride in was their knowledge. They love to train on the things they understood. And we understand a lot of really complex items as safety people. It's amazing. I mean, you think about the breadth of what we have to understand from hearing conservation to industrial hygiene, lockout, tagout, hot work, line breaking. Uh, Take your pick of any of the standards. And we're experts at times. And here we are in this world of COVID, and it feels like we're not experts anymore. 
or at least I feel that way. I feel like I'm really lacking. And that's something that I've not felt in a lot of years. So maybe I'm learning something from this. But it's very frustrating um, from a standpoint of just not understanding. And I, I, it's hard to get good information. So OSHA did update in August uh, their mitigating and spreading of workplace items. And basically what they have done is they've defaulted over to the CDC. And so they have a link directly right over to the CDC webpage. And you go there and it's like, okay, so what what is it now that we're actually doing? And it, it, it's all recommendations. So what do you do with that? So we add the CDC added a recommendation for fully vaccinated people to wear a mask in indoor public settings or high transmission. Added uh, vaccinated people might choose to wear a mask regardless of level of transmission if they are immunocompromised. Added a recommendation for fully vaccinated people who have come into close contact with someone who is suspected or confirmed with COVID to be tested uh, and to wear a mask indoors. Again, recommendation. And uh, recommends universal indoor masking for all teachers, staff, students, and visitors to schools regardless of vaccination status. Okay, it's all recommendations. How do we enforce that? We educate on it. Absolutely. Do we, we certainly don't operate in a vacuum. We, we train our team. If we have new information, we try to get it to our team. We do our due diligence. Again, I'm not advocating for doing nothing. We should be doing something. What is that something? I, that is what's interesting. Had a great discussion with that, with uh, the team earlier this week of what is the recommendations. It's like they're all recommendations. We have to do our due diligence. We have to continue to push education. We have to continue to put those recommendations in front of people, empower people to use those recommendations. Do we have masks available? Do we have plenty of soap, hand sanitizer? Are we very lenient with our attendance policy that if they're calling in, are we being attentive? Are we being uh, quickly to help them when they need it? Are we getting them the resources? Are we making sure they're covered when these things happen? Are we giving alternate work or work from home from office people as this is occurring? So one, our policy has to be in place to encourage this because let's say we have a very strict policy for attendance and now we're telling people, well, you can't come to work if you have these things or if you've been within someone three to five days, we want you to, well, that's counterintuitive to what you're trying to get done in the organization. So we are having to work with our HR team on policies to make sure that we're prepared for when people raise their hand and say, hey, yeah, I think I was around someone who is now very sick. I probably shouldn't be here right now. Okay, what do we do for that person? How do we help them? Because they've been vulnerable enough. They've been upright, stand-up person to say, hey, something's going on. Well, we have to help them. We have to make sure they're empowered to be able to have that time off. But it's good. So do we force a mask? Do we force vaccinations? In the safety world right now, that's very uncertain. And we're being asked to make some pretty interesting decisions. And I don't think all the information is there. And the hardest thing to ask for is some patience. And that's a lot of the times what we're trying to get is just, well, let's wait and see. 
Right now, a lot of the focus is on healthcare because they are our frontline defense when anything like this happens. Also, the food industry that makes our food to make sure that our food supplies are coming through and that the people making that food is protected and safe. It seems like those are the key focuses right now for OSHA. So for the rest of us, we need to be doing something. <laughs> education, talking about it, encouraging, pushing things that we can help with, really making sure people understand and setting the tone for these recommendations. And then we need to be able to just keep up with everything. And it is a spiral. Um, every day I find myself browsing through various web sources, trying to find information and reading the news and trying to make sure I'm keeping up with what's going on. But right now, that's what seems like the most current is OSHA has defaulted over to the CDC and their most recent guidelines. And a lot of those are recommendations. One thing you should be doing is making sure that you have thoroughly over-communicated what is going on in your organization, what is going on and and what you are doing, and to make sure they understand what these recommendations are. Very important. Uh, no one should be walking around not knowing that the recommendations are what they are and the company's stance toward those policies. Make sure you do something. Setting back and rocking back on our heels, not the best. Making sure that we're doing and being proactive, as we always do in the safety world. More podcasts coming up in just one moment. You've got a friend in the safety business. Who wants to help your team work safer? The safety dude. Who wants to help your leadership engage through safety? Again, the safety dude. Who is there to take your safety systems to the next level? That's right, the safety dude. Who has the knowledge and skill to drive safety ownership? You know it, the safety dude. So who is the safety dude? Dr. Mark French is an experienced and credentialized safety professional with a focus on the organizational psychology of your company. You can find a safety dude at TSD Amalgamated Safety Consulting, where he is ready to focus on your team's safety. www.tsdamalgamated.com. Welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Again, Happy you're with me. So happy you've joined me. So I hinted at a little bit of, in the first half, what I wanted to chat about in the second half with you, and it's about reporting. So one of the issues with COVID is we've asked for all this reporting. We've asked that if you don't feel well, if you're having a fever, if you've been in contact with someone, tell us. And then we're probably going to have you take some time away from work. And so have we encouraged it? And so what I really have and have found interesting throughout my career is safety reporting has always been the double-edged sword. We beg for it as safety professionals. We want people to tell us when something isn't right. It's the only way we can learn is the we is greater than the me. Our team is seeing items as they happen. We can't be everywhere at once. And for any organization that believes that their safety person should know and be all and know all as a single entity person, or even as a group of people, impossible. Can't be done. The, the ratio doesn't work. The time doesn't work. It just, it just doesn't work. And yet, it's still believed. It still happens every day. Well, our safety person should have found that. Oh, okay. Really? 
What was your supervisor doing? Anyway, I'll get all, I won't even begin that soapbox today. But like with COVID, how is your policies? Are they really, truly encouraging reporting? So do you have the sick time? Do you have the leniency? Do you have special circumstances for COVID cases that no one's being punished when they do actually make that report? Are they able to make that report without the fear of something bad happening? Or have they seen other people who have made reports and then been reprimanded? And I know one of my my favorite statements that I learned while interviewing other safety people and talking with other safety people was the uh, the name blame shame retrain where okay you've reported an injury we're going to now shame you we're going to make you feel bad for getting hurt we're going to retrain you and then we're going to send you back out there and tell you to never get hurt again because you made a bad choice well who wants to make a report when that happens oh it's horrible i also remember an organization where um, there was only one person that you could report to. And I know a lot of states, when you look at workers' comp law, basically if you report to anyone of authority, you've made a first report. And a lot of states have that. But this company, um, some of the employees didn't know that. And they had one person, this designated uh, person that was the only person you could make a first report to if you needed help for workers' comp or an OSHA-related issue. And... Talking to him, like, well, where's this person at? Oh, well, they've been on medical leave for like three months. <laughs> well, no wonder you are having such an amazing streak of safety. You've made officially zero reports because the person that would fill out the reports is not here. Well, that simplifies things. If there's no one to report to and no one taking writing down the data, well, that just solves the problem, doesn't it? Don't know injuries. And no, because if that person, when that person comes back, there's gonna be a bunch of injuries. It's really gonna be bad, and it, I assume it probably was. But that's that's part of the problem that we're seeing in some cases, and we have to make sure that our policies are not punishing people for having safety reports. And there's certainly two sides to this. From a, and a, when you look at this at a safety point of view. And from my point of view, I guess since it's my podcast, it's only my point of view. If you have a different one, let me know. I'd love to chat with you. I'd love to hear it. Um, The fact that, you know, we're begging for these reports. I I really want to hear what's happening in the field. But you also want to be a good coach. You want to see what's happening. And in a non-abusive way, a non-authoritative way, a non-judgmental way, you want to correct the behavior if there was one. If someone made a mistake, you want to talk them through it. And, okay, well, why did you do it that way? What do you think? Are there, would there have been other ways you could have done it in hindsight? How do you think we could train other people to not do the same thing down the road? Because I know you're not happy that you're hurt. So uh, how do you think if if you were talking to a past you today, uh, in future you was talking to your person What would you have told them to prevent this from happening? You can creatively find ways to talk through it. And that's the newer style that I've adapted is thank you for reporting it. Let's talk through it. And certainly a lot of people come to the conclusion, I shouldn't have pushed that. I shouldn't have lifted that. Well, that's a good conclusion. Um, What are you going to do going forward? Uh, How are you going to prevent that from happening again? Well, I'll get this. Well, let's think about other people. If you did it, I'm sure there's about 15, 20, 50, a hundred other people out there that would do the same thing. What would you say to them? How would you tell them not to do that? Because 
I want to make sure that we share it and you're not in any trouble whatsoever. Thank you for talking to us, but let's figure out how we prevent it from happening again. And I'm hoping and only time will tell that hopefully is having that as part of the solution helps that in prevention. It helps open the dialogue. It helps create that experience that we care and that we do mean it, that we want you to report everything. And you may be one of those that go, oh man, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Okay, well you did though. And you're a pretty smart person. So what caused it? And uh, there's a whole bunch of other really smart people in the organization. How do we help educate them not to make that same mistake? And a lot maybe comes down to how's your stop work policy? Do you really support it? So if someone sees something that isn't right, do they feel empowered to slow things down? In some cases, and I have seen this in organizations where making a safety report because you've heard will get you a small slap on the wrist. Missing your production numbers will almost get you fired. So what are you going to do? Well, you're going to work crazy, and if you get hurt, you're going to just take your your name, blame, shame, retrain, and then you're going to go back and hit those numbers again and probably get hurt again. And then you're back in the first aid office, and you're doing it again. You take your small lump, but then they look at your production records. They go, well, you know, you're doing a great job. Just, uh, man, get to feeling better. Please get to feeling better, and don't ever get hurt again. And if you do get hurt again, as long as you're hitting your numbers, you would be okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, how often do we see that? And that's scary. And it's that's what leads to excessive incident rates. And, and sometimes hidden reporting until it is to the point of being excessive. Because part of early intervention with micro strains and ergonomics is seeing it early so that we can prevent it and fix it. Because the longer it goes, the worse it gets. And with those things that we're hiding it until it's just absolutely critical, we usually have a significant medical issue that has to be addressed only through medical intervention, which then lowers our first aid rate and increases our recordable rate, which is not the trend we normally like to see. So something to consider is how do you treat reporting? Is it really that open vulnerability that encourages it? Or are there some opposite forces out there that are, on the opposite side, not helping in the effort to create good safety reporting. So we know what's happening. Thanks for joining me on this episode. And until next time that we chant, stay safe. listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the conversation on the web at www.thesafetydude.org. All opinions expressed on the program are solely the view of the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.